Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. All right, I'm going to jump right into it because I want to do some ministry time at the end of this message. But the title of my message is Emerge to Life. Thank you, John Lang. I'm going to send it. Even if my voice doesn't sound like it, I'm going to send it. Title my message is Emerge to Life. I don't know if you have heard, but we have this thing coming up called Emerge Conference. Anyone heard of it? Okay. Let me encourage you. This message isn't going to be all about necessarily the conference, but why one of the main reasons we throw the conference is because there is a pandemic of apathy amongst men in our generation. And apathy is something that the Bible is actually very aggressive about, and I'm going to try to unpackage that a little bit because apathy might not seem like a big deal, but apathy opens the door to a lot of very destructive things in our life. And so as a Christian, we want to always be self-regulating, where have I become apathetic? Where have I allowed apathy to creep in? Because apathy leads to a lot of bad things. The king in the Bible, the Old Testament, that was dubbed the worst king, King Ahab, in all of Israel's history. He wasn't dubbed kind of a bad king, sort of a bad king. He was dubbed the single worst king. You know what he was guilty of? Apathy. He just stood back and stayed neutral. Apathy is toxic. Apathy creates a vacuum. So let me, let me just give you some synonyms for apathy so you can kind of get, take some inventory here, see where maybe the enemy or the world has allowed you to become apathetic. Synonyms for it are indifference, insensitivity, lethargy, aloofness, coldness, detachment, disinterest, dispassion, Disregard, dullness, emotionlessness, headlessness, insensibility, uh, and even more, passiveness, passivity, stoicism. Now, let me give you the ant, uh, antonyms for it, the opposite. Interest, care, concern, feeling, passion, sensitivity, sympathy, warmth. Warmth. Okay, now, going into apathy. Apathy is a silent killer. It comes on very subtle but it opens the doors for destruction. And that's why the Bible, even Jesus, is pretty harsh on apathy. Revelations 3.16 says this, so because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. It's intense. By the way, the rest of the verse, this was a warning. This is, Jesus didn't actually spit him. He said, I need you to stop this. He was shaking one of his churches saying, stop. Don't, it's yes or no. There's only two kingdoms in this world. There are only two kingdoms in this world. There's the kingdom of God, and then there's the other kingdom. There are only two kingdoms. When you apply the kingdom of God principles, you see life, beauty, excellence emerge. A lot of, in fact, a lot of the um, self-help crew, which I have nothing against that crew, but the things that work are actually just ripped out of the Bible and they take out God, but the principles will still work. Positive self-talk. Well, the Bible says to meditate on what is good, helpful, pleasurable, you know, to, to, to declare the goodness of God over your life. They just take that little principle and they can apply the principle and you can get fruit from it. There's two, there, so uh, yeah, Revelation 3, Romans 12, 1. 
Do not be slothful in zeal. Look at that. Get some zeal, baby. Wake up. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Check this one from Zephaniah 1, 12 through 13. At the time, I will search Jerusalem with lambs, and I will punish the men who are complacent. Check this out. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, the Lord will not do ill. They're just undecided. Okay, Revelations 3, 2. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. This is why apathy is so critical because apathy starts to open the doors to this area of your life dying. And Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. He rages not against the people. He loves the people, but he rages against things that take out his kids. So Bible's big on not allowing apathy to take root. Because here's another reason why. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. I like how he uses the word endure. Because when somebody's giving you sound teaching, at some point it should challenge one of your belief systems. If God is bigger than you and he's trying to get him, himself more into you and to explain to you the secrets of life and who he made you to be, at some point, something should challenge you. Something should be like, oh, I didn't like that he said that. I'm sick and tired of people who can go to church for a decade and never get offended. I get offended weekly. I was offended on Wednesday when we had Pastor Jurgen here. God, the Holy Spirit's like, hey, you need to step up. And I was like, oh, that hurts, Holy Spirit. He's like, good, because I love you. I want to grow. I don't know about you, but I think at Awaken, we're people that are hungry to grow. And not in some weird, not, I don't like the word weird, not in some religious, not real, not full of life way, but genuine growth, genuine love. So a time is coming when people won't endure sound teaching, but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions. Come on. I don't know if you're relatively new to the church and there is a season when you move or whatever that you will scout out which church is your church, but God at some point is gonna ask you, hey, plant yourself. If there's sound teaching, don't look for the next pastor that tickles your ear and says exactly what you wanna hear all the time. Don't look for something that always is agreeable to you. Look for life, look for love, and then invest yourself. No growth happens outside of the comfort zone. So here's my promise to me and to all of us. You plant yourself here, there will be times of uncomfortability. We get to choose how long we stay there and how, long, how much God has to do to teach us the lesson, but it's good. I've just learned to love it. I, whenever, now I like, when I get offended, I, I almost like, oh, sweet, okay. Now I've got an open door to do a little deep dive, get the word of God in my life and figure out why I'm triggered. Why is this, but why was that so hard for me? What, what do I need to remove? Our lives are like a garden, right? You can't just water the garden and everything works out perfectly. Unfortunately, I've learned this because we have a garden. I wish it was a swimming pool, but it is what it is. I'm still prophesying. It's the perfect location for a pool with a vanish, anyways. But as of now, it's a garden. And you know what I've learned in the garden? I plant all these beautiful seeds. That's beautiful. I water it. Guess what else grows? Weeds. And so I've got to be weeding my heart. Always, always weeding my heart. And anyways, it, man, I went really off on the itching ear. Anyways, that's a good verse. You should read that verse. All right. So apathy. Here's what apathy does. 
When you become neutral, when you become dead, when you become unpassionate about an area of your life, it creates a vacuum. But here's the deal. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength that you might put on the whole armor of God. Why do you put on armor? Because you actually have to fight. That you may, it's not a fashion statement. It's a, it's a principle. You need to have it on. Then you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. There is an enemy. There is a kingdom of darkness. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We think that the person's the problem. Well, I wouldn't be apathetic if so-and-so would recognize me. I wouldn't be apathetic if, if somebody knew what I was actually doing. I wouldn't be apathetic in my marriage if my wife would just make dinner on time. I wouldn't be apathetic in my, in my marriage if my husband would buy me flowers more. I wouldn't be, see what I'm saying? We think it's a person. But apathy causes a vacuum. And guess who wants to fill that vacuum? For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Apathy is a perfect landing pod spot for the enemy to step in. And what he wants to start to do, that's why I love that third song. He wants to build strongholds. Strongholds are areas of your life that are now so guarded, so protected that nothing goes out and nothing comes in. If you have a guarded heart, well, you make a vow. Somebody broke your heart. Somebody cheated on you. Somebody broke your heart, and then you say, I'll never love again, or I'll never give love again to another person. Well, guess what? If if something can't get out, it also can't get in. You'll start to to be not feeling love from people because you've said, I will never give again, and therefore you can't receive. What you can't give, you can't receive. And so we want to guard our hearts from apathy. Here's the thing with this message as I get into the word that I want to bring. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time looking at the enemy because that's a waste of time. I'm not chasing a defeated enemy. But I do want to be aware that until Jesus wraps this thing up in a bow and totally takes him out, we're a church that's going to take, we're a church that's called to take territory and a people that's called to take territory. John Johnson, thank you very much. You know, the bloodiest fighting in World War II happened when Germany was surrounded. Just because, you, just because the enemy is defeated doesn't mean he still isn't going to pull every punch he can. He hates you because God loves you. Okay? And so to know his strategies is important. So for a minute, I'm going to talk about what apathy opens us up to. See, there's, there's different spirits in this world, and two of the ugliest ones. As a pastor, I'm telling you, these are the two ugliest ones that I have encountered. Witchcraft, yeah, it's gross, it's sick, but get out, you know? But the spirit of religion is a gross one. See, the spirit of religion is actually what leads to apathy. See, religion always crushes, controls, says conform, put rules on you, makes you be in a performance mentality. And so we, we, we live in a pretty religious valley. And one of the things I noticed when I first moved here is I felt a lot of apathy. I was like, hey, well, how come? One of my measurements to see how, how the church is doing is I want to hear your ask and your dreams. Like Pastor, you're going to talk about Wednesday. What are your dreams? If you got small dreams, I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? I want to rip that open. Come on. You serve God Almighty who has said he loves you and he's for you and he has plans for your life farther than you can imagine. So I got to get your imagination working again so that then God can even push further than that. Drink to that. So, cheers. So the religious spirit creates apathy in people. 
See, at Awaken, we have a culture of encouragement, freedom, fun, and honor. Yes. Fun and honor. That's how you, you, start, you break the religious spirit by speaking encouragement. Religious spirit always wants to point out what you're doing wrong. And don't get me wrong. We say the truth. We hold the line. We'll tell you if a sin's a sin or this is not or that. But at the end of the day, I want to look for the gold in you. I want to say, look at this area. The man, God has put something in you. Let's water that thing. Let's build that thing up. It helps break that religious spirit. Freedom. See, religion's about control. But Jesus brought us into a relationship. Now he wants to teach us how to walk out this love thing well and do it his way in the way that brings the most life and fruitfulness in our life. Um, but we, we, we have freedom here. We allow people to grow and learn. Yep. We don't just say, you know, conform right now. Fun, fun is important. It's a kingdom principle. If you don't like to laugh and have joy and be fun, heaven's gonna be in a weird adjustment for you for the first decade or two because there will be a ton of laughter. I think it's C.S. Lewis says the serious business of heaven is joy. That's the serious business. That's the thing we gotta, we take this serious. Let's have fun. If you're not good at having fun, go to a connect group. We'll help you have fun. We'll teach you. We'll teach you. You can have fun and honor. Now, honor doesn't just go up. Honor goes up, down, and all around. Yes. Honor goes all, all directions. We honor people here. We take care of people. We, we speak life to people. So that's how we keep that religious spirit in check. But the Bible is very clear that King Ahab allowed Jezebel in. Because of his apathy, there's another spirit. Churches call it the spirit of Jezebel. A really easy way to identify is actually just control. It's a very controlling spirit. And apathy attracts it. Apathy attracts it. I don't know how to, I want to break this down because the Holy Spirit gave me this on right five minutes ago, so I still haven't contemplated as much, but I felt him ask me, what happened in King Ahab's childhood? I said, why are you asking me that? I'm not exactly sure. I probably need to read that part of the Bible more. Um, <clears throat> he said, because apathy is created. You don't meet very many toddlers that are apathetic. Everything is passionate, good or bad, there's passion. Am I right, right? If they're happy, they are happy. And if they're sad, they are sad, you know? If they're mad, they are angry, right? Apathy is not born into us, it is acquired. And apathy comes usually when we get wounded or hurt in an area so much that we now say, I'm not gonna try anymore in that area. I'm not gonna give it a go there. So then apathy, and then what happens? The walls of control, the stronghold comes in. Now you have to control that environment. Now no one can ever talk about that to you. If they talk about that to you, here's how you know if you've got an area that has come under apathy, apathy and then moved into control, Jezebel spirit, whatever you wanna call it, that it's a real thing, you know because if somebody touches it, you immediately go into emotional manipulation. Well, how could you say that? I've done this and that. This happens in marriages, right? You go, you, all of us spouses, we know there's certain areas like, oh, you, if you're gonna go there, we gotta be willing to go there, right? Like, cause I'm, if I'm gonna, am I the only one? Are we gonna, can we be real? You know, you make that commitment. You're like, all right, I gotta stand my ground in this area. And you know, oh man, the, water, the waterworks are gonna come, the accusations, the, well, then you did this, the flipping around, the pointing things out, totally changing the subject. It's avoidance of the subject. I gotta keep control here. So I avoid it and I'll either go, I'll either become a victim or I'll rage or I'll do both, right? And those are the areas 
that the Holy Spirit wants to break apathy off of you, believe again, so you can walk into what God has for you. So that's just a good self-mechanism. The areas you feel you have to defend yourself the most and you get the fists up in your own life, just begin to say, okay, where did the apathy start? Because now I, that apathy led to control in this area and I cannot let anybody in in this area. I don't want to receive any kind of criticism or encouragement. I just don't want this area to be talked about in my life. All right, so I'm not going to read the whole thing but this all stems from 1 Kings 18. So if you're taking notes, 1 Kings 18. And now I want to talk about how do you break apathy. Because an entire nation had become apathetic. Let's go, uh, let me set up the story real quick. King Ahab's in control. He's apathetic. He doesn't say he's not against the God of the Bible. He also doesn't say anything to his wife who's bringing in Baal worship which is basically a lot of baby sacrifice, gross stuff, okay? She's allowed all this, the Asherah poles, which is like world worship, it's, you know, the mother earth, the world, the, the universe, the uni you know, like, I can't do it as good as Pastor Jurgen, but it says world worship, baby sacrifice, and, and King Ahab remains unopinionated. He's just, he's being, he's coexisting, he's being tolerant. We're all kind of the same. Well, no, you kill babies. That's not the same. We're not the same. I'm not attacking people, but I do want to attack mindsets and principalities. There is a right. There is a wrong. There is a truth. And that's one thing else I want to tell you, that the way you combat Jezebel is you have to stand your ground and you have to speak truth. We, we, we learned from Mike Connell that when that, because that thing pops up in church, man. Yeah. Anyways, but when that comes up, you don't pastor that. You stand your ground. See, that's what Ahab's big mistake was. He should have said, listen, wife, we're not doing the baby killing thing. We're not. And I'm sorry, there's no, there's no midway that, that we worship we are Israel. We are God's chosen people. We worship the God, Jehovah Jireh. We worship Yahweh. That's who we worship. <clears throat> Woo, you guys okay? I'm, I'm, come, I'm coming at it right now. Okay, so the story, 1 Kings 18. Mind you, Ahab, just for being neutral, God says, worst king ever. God would almost rather passion in the wrong direction because at least you're a ship that he could catch and steer. He can't do anything with apathetic. That's why I'll tell you the truth. I love it. I love like new Christians or people that aren't even Christians yet. I just love being around them as long as there's passion. I, I don't like apathetic. I don't mind if you're going hard in the wrong direction or a different direction. I don't mind that one bit. I just don't like apathetic people. It just, ugh. anyways. All right, man, stay on track. We're, we're, we're awesome. Drink to that again. Okay. So King Ahab is letting everything, everything's tolerable. Everything's good. He just lets it go. Finally, the prophet comes. The prophet comes and he says, listen, we're done with this. Your apathy has infected the whole nation now. And it's time to break apathy. And he says this, and this is how you know that it infected the whole nation. So 
Ahab calls the entire nation to this mountain called Mount Carmel. And, this, and then uh, in verse, boys, uh, 1 Kings 18, verse 21. You guys got it? Then Elijah stood in front of them. This is everyone. How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Check this out. But the people were completely silent. Apathetic. Apathy is contagious. I'm reading this book called No Rules Rules, and it's the story of how Netflix started. And they learned this when they had to do a massive load of layoffs. They laid off the bottom one-third of their company. That top two-thirds, because the apathy had left the room, was like three times more productive after they let go of more people because they let go of the apathy. It's a really cool book, by the way. But uh, So they call it uh, talent... Anyways, talent conglomeration. You get a lot of talent together, you'll make other people more talented, right? So apathy, you gotta understand this. It's not okay. You wanna weed out apathy in yourself because you're contagious. Just like you stay home when you're sick, hopefully, you know, like you don't wanna spread that apathy. And if you're around a lot of apathetic people, I would recommend you start to get around a peer group. That's why we have a church that encourages people not to be apathetic so you can get around people. But anyways, so the whole nation's apathetic. So give you the rest of the story. He calls a meeting. He says, all right, fine, I'm going to show you. He says, you prophets of Baal, I'll give you a cow. You give me a cow. We're going to set up an offering. Whoever's cow gets consumed by fire without lighting it, that's the real God. And we settle this today. I love that, man. I love that. That's how I want to like talk to people. I'm like... You bring your, your God, I'll bring mine, and we'll see who shows up, okay? And so the rest of the story is cool. It says that for the entire day, the prophets of Baal were doing all these like chants and religious things. They're cutting themselves. They're bleeding, you know, they're doing all this stuff. And then uh, Elijah's just sitting there mocking him. See, you can have fun in church. He's making jokes at him. He's like, oh, maybe your God's using the restroom. Maybe he's on vacation, you know, he's just playing with them. And then finally, in the evening, he says, all right, now it's the time when we would normally offer to our God. So he calls, he calls all the people over to his side of the mountain, and he says, all right, cuts the bull up, builds the altar, uh, lays it down there, and then he does something wild. Wild. They've been in a three-year drought because apathy always leads to death and drought. The area where you're apathetic, there'll be a drought there. There'll be no flow, no grace. No, 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 nothing's happening in that area. It always brings a drought. And so there's Elijah, he says, bring me big old jugs of water. And they had four, so they fill up the four. They dump it, he says, not enough. There's 12 tribes of Israel, I want 12 jugs of water. All prophetic, all, all prophesied. He used 12 stones to prophesy to the 12 nations, of, or the 12 tribes of Israel. He does 12 jugs of water. It says that the water, he built, dug a trough around the bull, that the troughs were overflowing. He brings something precious in the middle of a drought. He brings the most precious thing right then was water, and he brings that, or I'll get to that in a minute. But, so anyways, brings it on, and then he just says, yo, God, show him. Boom, fire falls from the sky, burns up not just the bull, but the rocks completely evaporate, the water gets licked up, and all the people are like, okay, time to stop being apathetic. Like, 
I guess that's our decision. They start worshiping God again. And then he says, hey, you know those prophets of Baal over there? Let's bring them over here. We're going to kill them all. We're going to kill them all. It's time to shut down what doesn't belong. So that's the story. In this story is the gold of how to break apathy. So point number one, and boys, it's in different, it's in backwards order from when I sent it yesterday. So point number one is be responsible for your part. Just realized I didn't tell you guys that. Be responsible for your part. Okay, what does that mean? Check out verse 30 of 1 Kings 18 and 30 through 32. Then Elijah said to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him. And he, he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones to represent each tribe of Israel. He used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench. See a, see a pattern here? See, there was part that Elijah knew God was going to fall, but he did his part. He did his part. See, Jesus isn't looking to do everything for you. He's looking to partner with you because he made you to be his ambassador on earth. And so there are times that we have to do our part if we want to break apathy off of our life. Okay? Things like this. Address things when they're small. This, let's talk about marriage for a minute. Address things when they're small. Like, oh, I just don't want to, you know, we could potentially get an argument on it. No, just address things when they're small become, before you've been stuffing them down for a couple years and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I want a divorce. You're like, whoa, where the... Address things they are small. Address things small in friendship. Address things when they're small with leadership. Address things when they're small. That's part of your deal. You know, read your Bible. Give the Holy Spirit some logs to burn. See, he, he comes on his word and creates a rhema word. When you get the word of God in you, now the Holy Spirit has some ammunition. So when you're facing something in the real world, when you're facing, you know, a potential bankruptcy or a lawsuit, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, boom, remember that scripture you read? Declare that over that situation. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm more than a conqueror, you know? Just, you, you want to give him that ammunition. That's our part. Pray, pray. God actually wants to partner with you in prayer. He likes to show off in our lives. He likes specific prayers. Yongi Cho, Pastor Dr. Yongi Cho had the biggest church in the world, literally changed the entire economy of Singapore. No, South Korea, sorry. And uh, he, he said that the reason most prayers aren't answered is you're not specific. Because then you're like, eh, is that a coincidence? No, be specific. Okay, so that we have responsibilities. Point number two, remove what doesn't belong. Verse 40 in the story I was reading says, he grabbed all the prophets and he cut them down to pieces. They didn't belong here. We've got to be willing to do the work of removing what doesn't belong. What doesn't belong in your heart? Unforgiveness. Oh, but you don't know what my dad did to me. Okay, but you not forgiving him is you taking poison hoping he gets hurt. Okay, unforgiveness. We weed those things out. Bitterness. Compromise. Compromise. Look, nobody wakes up one day and goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a serial killer. <laughs> like, no, that, that's not how it progresses. There's, there's isolation and then dark, dark isolation over time that causes people to be way off the bound. But we want to catch our compromises when they're small, when it, does, when it doesn't align up with what God intended in our life. Oh, it's not a big deal. Maybe not in this form, but that seed gets put in the garden. And since you have already said it's not a big deal, you're not going to pick it out later. 
The deeper the roots get, the harder it is. Now, God, Jesus, man, he'll bring the ax to some trees in our life. Whatever you need to let him deal with, he'll deal. But we do have to be willing. We do have to say, this doesn't belong here. Most of it is actually confession. You know that that's the power of the gospel? Most of it's confession. I'm not talking like, you know, Catholic, all that stuff. I'm just saying, it's admitting to your, repenting actually means to change the way you think. So you go, you know what? This maybe served some need in my life in the past, but now I realize I'm answering a need God put in my heart with the wrong solution. And that's why it leaves me feeling remorse, less authentically me. I feel gross. I don't feel right. Look, the desire is usually God-given. Most, that, uh, you'll learn this in psychology. We all have needs that we're trying to meet. It's just God's trying to show you, hey, for instance, my kids are hungry. They think candy is the fix-all to that problem. <laughs> they think more candy equals less hungry. But I know, as a dad, you need some protein. You need some vitamins. You need some fiber. And so I come in, I say, hey, I know you're hungry. And in the right place, you can have dessert, but you got to eat that broccoli first because I love you. I'm not trying to ruin your life. I'm actually trying to give you life. (laughs) So remove what doesn't belong. Compromise, bitterness, unforgiveness, offense. Just talk about it. You know, and here, (laughs) talk about it to the person who you need to fix it with. Not everyone else. Uh, That's just, you know what I mean? Be be willing to go there first. Now, this one's cool. Give what is lacking. Do you want to know how you can start to break apathy out of your world? Give the very thing that you need. Instance, you've given up on having good friendships. It's just been hard. Some friends betrayed me, stabbed me in the back. It would just be easier not to be in community. I'm good. I'm good. I got my friends online. We game together. There's enough distance. I don't have to give social cues or anything. So I'm good. The only way you're going to then begin to break apathy is you've got to be willing to give friendship. You've got to go back into the fray and you say, there's a drought in my life in this area. And God says, if you'll be willing to start giving it, I will replenish. I'll break the drought out of your life. That's why we teach on giving. The Bible says there's a concept of generosity. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. When you sow, it begins to come back to you. It was easier when we all basically lived off of farming. The concept made sense. I could eat this or I can plant this. If I plant it, I'll get a lot more, but I, there's, a, there's a cycle, right? But it's still, the principle is still true. If you're like, man, I'm hurting, that's where God says, well, unlock generosity in your life. Your marriage, my spouse, they don't respect me. I get no respect. I'm working my butt off. I come home and just get chewed out about the list. You want respect, honor her. Give what is in the drought. Give what you feel is lacking the most and keep giving it. It reciprocates. Same, um, husband, wife, whatever. 
If your marriage is on the rocks, now it's time to give what's most precious. Why is it precious? Because there's a lack. But I'm telling you, if you'll give what's in a lack, where am I getting this principle? Elijah said, the apathy has caused a drought in our kingdom. I need you to bring what's most precious, the water. And that's a, that's a faith test. God, I barely have any of this left. Okay, we'll just do the first four. Huh. The prophet says, no, do it again. Nah, I, I got nothing left, God. Put it on the altar. Give it. Give what's most precious. I'm telling you, this principle will bring breakthrough in every area of your life. At work, your boss is a jerk, a jack wagon, whatever you want to call him. You probably call him a lot worse than what I just said. <laughs> you know, that, and you think it, and you know it. And he has all the control. He's your promotion. He's that thing. Can you give what you wish is he would respect and honor you? Can you give honor? Not fake, but honor. Honor the things that he is good at. Honor the role that they're in. Bible says it's like dumping hot coals on your enemy. I'm telling you, it messes up people because they usually know, like, you don't like me. But for some reason, you honor me. For some reason, you went into that board meeting and you could have took credit, but you just, you said, no, he's in charge. He said, we did it, we did it. You could have undermined me when you talked to my boss, but you didn't. God sees these things. He'll break the drought in your life if you're willing to give what's precious. And finally, how do you break apathy? This is so important. Every time the people of God became apathetic, the first thing God does is he sends the prophet. He sends the prophet. Prophecy is part of being a Christian, learning how to declare the things of God over your life, learning how to speak the words of God over your life. When David was not fighting the fights he should have been fought and got messed up in an affair with Bathsheba, who came? Nathan the prophet. He, God brings the word of God. He brings the prophet in. When Saul was getting under the fear of man and starting to disobey God, who comes? Samuel the prophet. He steps in. When Joseph was in prison, when Joseph at the beginning of his life has a prophetic dream and then in prison at the bottom of the an accused rapist in a foreign prison never to get out what did he do? He prophesied over people. The prophetic unlocks things over your life and it's not it doesn't have to be this weird hokey thing you don't have to speak in King James to be prophetic in fact I recommend not doing it unless that's how you normally talk in your household but prophesy. That's why we have men's prayer. We're doing men's prayer to teach you to have the echo of heaven and to look at your situation, to look at what you're facing and say, listen, this circumstance looks like this, but I'm gonna usher in the prophet. I'm gonna usher in the prophetic word and I'm gonna prophesy over my life that I will get out of this, that my marriage will last, that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. It is important to learn how to prophesy. It's important. God's fire will fall on your life. He'll break the flood. But he does expect you to start to get his word in your heart. Let's stand to our feet. There's a special presence in here. I want to prophesy over you guys. But first I feel the Holy Spirit saying, he wants to give you an opportunity. You see, before God broke the drought, 
sent the sign of the fire to get people to finally break the apathy and say, okay, we're not gonna be silent anymore. You are God. Your way is our way. I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes. If there's an area of your life, and Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. If there's an area of your life where you have become apathetic, God sent this word today for you. I'll be honest, I'm preaching this word because the Holy Spirit told me a week ago you've become apathetic in this area and it has to stop. I'm preaching to myself. Right now, if the Holy Spirit's bringing an area, I'm just gonna give you the opportunity, I'm gonna pray over you to break that apathy but first it comes with your agreement because once the people said, you are God, the drought began to break. The drought began to break. And so if you need to break apathy off of an area of your life, maybe your whole life has become apathetic or maybe it's just an area, but if you want God's fire to fall in that area now and break the apathy off of your life, will you just put your hands in the sky and I'm gonna pray for you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, we declare that the power of Jesus is stepping into each one of these people's area of apathy because the Bible says that you are life, Lord. And so now we speak life into that area, Lord. Lord, we break down the stronghold. We tear down the wall. We break agreement. If you made an agreement, I'll never let this or I'll never do this. We break those agreements right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare that your healing is coming into this area, that your power will fall in this area and that the drought will break. We declare that marriages are getting restored, that people are going to believe again for a spouse, Lord. We declare that jobs and businesses are getting unlocked right now, Lord. We break bad uh, health right now and people that have just agreed to say, well, I'll just suffer through it the rest of my life. We declare the goodness of God and we command that apathy to break. And if there's any spirit of a stronghold there, any spirit of control, any spirit of Jezebel, right now we cast you out. We know that God has plans to do good things in every area of our life and that no stone will be left unturned for his fire to fall on, for his power to increase. And so God, right now, we come in agreement. We no longer will let this area be apathetic. We give it to you on this altar, Lord. And we declare your goodness is coming into our life. And if you believe that, give God an amen and a shout. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.